Dear listener, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 19th March 2015. Have a listen please. Welcome dear listeners to this week's episode of Afternoon Satsang. It's Prem from Team Radio Sai joining you again with Arvind and Again, we are going to continue our Ramakatha Raswaini series. As always, we begin by offering our most humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet and at the feet of Lord Hanuman who is ever-present wherever the name and the glory of Lord Rama is sung. And also, as always, let us begin by taking this sweet and beautiful name of Lord Rama. श्रीराघवम् दशरथात्मजमप्रमेयम् सीतापतिम् रघुकुलान्मयरत्नदीपम् आजानुबाहुं अरविंददलायताक्षम् रामं We are traveling along this beautiful story of Lord Sri Rama as narrated by Lord Satyasai Rama. And last week we had reached that point where the brothers Rama and Lakshmana along with Mother Sita are happily and cozily settled in a hut on the Mount Chitrakuta as suggested by Sage. 
now you know when we look at their life there the way swami writes it is we can compare it to the kind of life that the students and boys had uh, when swami would take them to kodaikanal possibly because there is apparently no agenda from morning till evening mm-hmm. it is just to spend the time in the divine company of swami right from suprabhatam breakfast till the end of the day when you would have dinner and retire for the day so therefore be so so beautiful and you know that was a time when swami inculcated the students with a lot of pluses if i can say he would narrate stories he would uh, give them guidelines he would explore the epics and that was the same thing that was happening when lord rama settled along with lakshmana and sita at chitrakuta the entire day would be spent in the satsang of rama and just like the devotees would come to kodaikanal for a few sessions and uh, in the same manner at chitrakuta too there would be some hermits and sages and people in that area who would come close to to have satsang with rama so life went on in this beautiful manner but what we promised last week is to take a break from this and shift our focus to back to ayodhya where things were very very different that is where we had stopped last week that is where we shall continue from this week and you know when you look at this particular part where uh, especially where in the forest where many of these sages come to the presence of rama i think it's many times happened in swami's life also when, when you feel that you know very very unexpected circumstances brings people to swami's presence mm-hmm. in that sense if you see lord rama's life when I mean, if you look at it he was an emperor he was an emperor to be at least in this particular situation he is not even a king he is not even a, a small ruler of a small dominion he is an emperor and we can imagine how inaccessible he would have been otherwise to these denizens whom he is meeting in the course of this exile you know somebody like guha or somebody like that boatman or even the of course the great sages you would expect them to meet lord rama in some context or the other but what about the other ashramites who were living in these you know in panchavati and in chitrakuta and all these places it's impossible that they would have had an interaction with the avatar if not for a turn of events such as these mm. and that is where you know many times we emphasize this before that the role an avatar comes to play gets fulfilled through these unexpected events in the life of an avatar really very well put prem as you said it would be this would not be an exact example but it would almost be like somebody in india getting a chance to meet the prime minister or somebody in america getting to meet the president and interact with him on a day to day basis right. uh, you have to be at a high level yourself i think in that sense it is true over here also to meet with the highest authority that rama is each one has to be at a higher level the only difference is here the level does not depend on your materialistic level whether you are a king or whether you are a, a rich person but i think it probably depends on the spiritual level whether you are ready to receive what rama has come to give only if a person is ready to receive what rama has come to give will he be attracted to the presence of rama so in that sense i think it still holds true that you have to be of a certain level to be able to reach rama and uh, what is that level i think that comes through in the discussion later on but in case we forget to go on to that point let me just briefly narrate it here where you know swami has beautifully summarized that with his one statement where he says if you need me you deserve me and that is what rama displayed throughout his life also 
the only qualification you need to be high on the list to meet god to greet god and to spend time with him is to need him with all of one's heart if we need him so strongly we get to meet him and that is what we shall see in the ramayana where people in places inaccessible to ayodhya where nobody would have ever imagined that the prince the emperor of the realm could possibly come there to such places also in the deepest of the dandakaranya forest also rama goes and meets which only further strengthens the truth strengthens the conviction in the truth that if you need god you deserve god and that is the only qualification we have to rise in in order to achieve god that is what is exemplified by the ramayana true and in a sense just to avoid a few generalizations there hmm. if you observe especially in swami's life you would see that many many people had the opportunity to interact with swami so in the sense to say that need of that moment is what draws the avatar to the devotee might not be comprehensive to say the least maybe a need in the past had given them the you know deservedness to receive it in the present but to make full use of that opportunity when it comes i think that becomes all the more paramount one time when it struck me really strongly was when a basketball match was hosted by the indoor stadium and swami was present there i think the harlem group right, globe trotters exhibition match the globe yes. trotters were there you know imagine we as students would strive for an opportunity like that to perform in front of swami hmm. you know it's a big thing for us to perform in front of swami we yearn for it and we pray to swami to come and see our matches and our performances when we used to have these competitions in the hostel almost every year we used to go and ask swami to come and you know be a witness for the drama competition or the orchestra competition and i was sitting there these are a bunch of 12 or 15 american guys and they absolutely have no idea what fortune has come by their way mm. but they've got it and they must have got it because of some reason in the past mm. but you know when i was seeing that scene i was thinking swami you know you might give us the blessings at some time in the future but please give us also this added blessing that when that blessing comes our way let us recognize it let it not come by and go by you know that becomes very very important you know that's a very valid point prem which i think i definitely missed in the generalization i made while saying that when you need you get Yes the need need not be exactly in the present but as you said when swami bestows that grace and blessing of his proximity his nearness if we can have the need simultaneously we can ensure that we are able to convert that nearness right. into dearness absolutely and that's the important thing and just before we go past this particular point as making maybe a general uh, i was just reminded of a very beautiful instance somebody shared with me hmm? i don't know the complete details how very very apparently coincidentally sometimes you know interaction with swami or with that divine person happens mm-hmm. i remember it seems sometime in the 2006 or 7 some installation had to be made in swami's kitchen in the yajur mandir okay that was i think that was the time when swami is making that shift and all that so some particular gadget utensil had to be installed in swami's kitchen appliance appliance mm-hmm. kind of thing so they had a tender floated and i think two or three people came by and finally it was taken to swami saying that swami these two people are ready to do it hmm. okay and swami randomly picked up one particular agency he said i want these people to do it so they said fine and uh, they informed that person and that person came with his whole family because he said anyway we're going to puttapati why not we all go and have darshan so they all came and it was told to swami that the the company people have come they're going to do the installation and swami sent word saying that call the whole family and said purnachandra i want to meet all of them 
Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm. And so the entire family, imagine they've just come to fit an appliance in Swami's kitchen or something like that. Mm. And they get called for this family interview. And in the interview, Swami tells about that person's father. He apparently was very, very devoted to Swami. Mm. And he was in fact part of Swami's Satsai organization. And many times when people would say that, you know, sir, you're doing so much, you know, Swami will definitely bless you. So he would say that, you know, all the blessing that I seek for the work I'm doing is sometime in the future, if my family and my children get the blessing of Swami's Sambhashan and, you know, an interview with Swami, I'll be more than pleased. Oh, and Swami referred to that and Swami said, that's why I called all of you. That's wonderful. I mean, imagine how, how many things have to be fall in place for such a thing to happen. And that family had no clue that their father had made a prayer like this and it was being answered in this way. And it happened via tender for a kitchen appliance. Right. <laughs> And you know, when you just casually look at Swami's life and say, why Swami does these things? Why should Swami have a car? Why should Swami have these luxuries in the room? These are the points we miss out. These are the points we miss out because I think a couple of days back I was listening to a talk by Brother Sundara here, you know, who was in Swami's residence. He says this, you know, the respect with which Swami used to treat the gifts that used to come to Swami, whether he needs it or not, was such an eye-opener. Whatever would come to Swami's room, he said, See, Prashantinelia Mashram is so large, he, he could have, you know, n number of warehouses. But he will always insist that he wants to keep them in his own room. There would be hardly any place for him to move around, but he'll say, no, no, they've sent it for me, keep it. And his eyes would light up when he sees something. He would never use it. You know, you know this brings another point in my mind. Recently, many were uh, suggesting that why not the Yajur Mandir be made accessible to public so people can have a look at where Swami stayed. It is going to definitely enhance one's feeling of devotion, reverence. And, you know, it feels magical to be in the place where the Lord stayed. Right. Even as this came up, we had our own little discussion. Of course, not that it it is going to influence the decision of the people on the top in any manner. But our own opinions which came up, there were some very, very valid points, Prem. One of that was, if at all the Yajur Mandir has to be opened up for public to have darshan, much before that, the interview room and Swami's first residence, Mm -hmm. that is at the Bhajanal or in Purnachandra, they should be opened up before the (laughs) Yajur Mandir possibly because... I don't know, I have not seen the uh, residence that Bhagwan stayed at in Purnachandra. But I have definitely had a look once at Swami's room above the Bhajanal. And it is so tiny, Prem. It is hardly about uh, 12 feet by 8 feet, a cot in the center. That's it, a bed in the center and there is just about 2 feet of space around. And so when Swami in discourses said that after dinner I take a walk around my bed, that is literally true. You know, like it's almost like a a bear in a cage or a, you know, it's almost like that. It keeps pacing up and down. That is the thing I felt and I felt, when I saw that room, I had tears in my heart. You know, I was thinking, Swami, you who put gold above us devotees, you are staying in such a small concrete room. It has a small window connected into an outer room where a person who would attend on Swami, who would help Swami, who would be blessed with that blessing, would stay possibly. That's it. And that was the place where Swami stayed in till 1993. And after that, though I have not visited the residence at Purnachandra from what I hear from Professor G. Venkatraman and a few others who have been privileged to go there, they say it's a small, dank, dark place. Means it always needs lighting because there's no natural ventilation coming in. And it is also small, no much bigger than the place where Swami lived in at uh, the Bhajan Hall. So you see, this place is also where Swami stayed from, say, from 1993 till almost 2006. That's another 13 years. It's only 5 years 
और सिक्स इयर्स ऑफ इज फिजिकल सर्जन द ट्रॉमी स्पेंटेड यजुर मंदिर आई मीन इफ पीपल सी यजुर मंदिर एंड कंक्लूड दैट दिस इज वेयर द अवतार स्टेड इट वुड बी अ वेरी रॉन्ग ओपिनियन बिकॉज दैट इज वेयर द अवतार स्टेड फॉर लेस देन टेन परसेंट ऑफ द लाइफ स्वामीज लाइफ हैज बीन वन ऑफ सैक्रीफाइस एंड इट इज इंडीड वी आर वेरी वेरी ग्रेटफुल टू स्वामी दैट listening to our prayers in our hearts he agreed to move to yajur mandir otherwise what kind of horrible hopeless sinners are we prem i'm saying like this because this is the kind of feeling that will come through in ramayana ahead also as sumantra everyone you know they curse themselves saying what is the use of having all this if we are not able to get rama into our lives if we are not able to you know make this as an offering to rama you are having an empire but not able to offer it to the lord you are having everything but not able to offer it to lord everything becomes meaningless that is the kind of feeling we all would have got if swami had not blessed us by spending a few years in yajur mandir so i feel more than anything else in order to make each one of us understand what swami is we possibly should have a look at where swami stayed for more than 80 years of his life rather than just look at yajur mandir very true some of these descriptions which you know the students who were fortunate to be with swami describe of course that time they never used to talk of it much for reasons well known to all of us hmm. you know, swami would not like that but that again when people don't talk about it much people think that there is something to hide but there is nothing but pain which we will get when we listen to that and that's why it was hidden from us and that's really the truth because many of these students now come up and speak when swami said the true happiness lies within he really embodied that because he showed that his happiness really came only from within because as we said many times all that he got from outside was prayers please you know pains. pains and problems and asking for solutions and asking for protection what he got from outside was only that his happiness truly came from within and we really saw that because definitely all said and done swami was the happiest person we actually <laughs> would have come across in our life because swami was so bubbling with joy energy and enthusiasm and really and that is exactly when swami describes lord rama here in this situation you know he ensures that that personality of lord rama comes out in this whole thing i think prem all of us that is including our listeners should hold on to this thought where you said that nothing comes from outside the true source of joy fountain of joy is within and from if we depend on the external it's only going to give pain because that is going to come to us in swami's own voice a little later in this satsang so we'll hold on to that thought and now move towards ayodhya along with guha who is on his way back because lord rama has told guha he has bid him goodbye and they have gone to chitrakuta as guha is returning back to his fishing kingdom if we can call so to the his kingdom of boatmen to his community on the way he sees sumantra sumantra the minister is actually waiting because possibly he hopes to get some news some further updates about the well being of rama and what is happening with rama from guha and uh, even as he is waiting there he looks forlorn dejected he doesn't look like a minister at all he's sitting under a tree and it appears to guha as if even his horses are wailing and weeping and as guha meets sumantra they both embrace each other you know there are only two situations when you hug each other one is when both of you are celebrating the other is when both of you are very sad and this is the latter case here when both are having pangs of deep pain in their heart and it is that pain that unites both of them and both of them embrace each other and start crying and you know that is when sumantra 
let's out possibly he was all alone till now so once he gets some years into which he can vent out he starts venting out on his ill fortune misfortune and he says you know the very fact that i am alive itself is such a big curse on me how hard hearted i must have been that i have heard i have seen i have experienced rama leaving and yet i am alive and not dead so that is how sumantra starts wailing and weeping you know prem when this uh, discussion of the meeting between guha and sumantra comes as i was reading it i was reminded of the day saigita left her mortal coil swami's pet elephant that day i could see two people apparently seem to be the most affected and one is the perfect actor that is our dear lord and the other is pedredi garu the caretaker of saigita so both of them and this was precisely the scene i saw you know when swami came there he was on the wheelchair and pedredi comes to swami and his eyes are doing all the speaking and he's just saying swami swami geeta geeta and he's weeping and you know swami also seemed to break down swami is also saying geeta and both of them are holding each other's hand and consoling each other that might have been the kind of situation that happened here also as sumantra and guha embraced each other held each other and tried to support each other they were like both of them were tottering and each of them was trying to be the strength to the other and the beauty is it doesn't come out in this particular scene but both of them who are actually uh, you know steeped in the sorrow have witnessed the equanimity of rama Hmm. that's the beauty and in a, in a sense if you see what we talk of as the crowning glory of the rama avatar because after the vanquishing of ravana is that what we refer to as rama rajya and many times when swami speaks about the rama rajya kind of a condition you know where the society is in that we could say rama rajya mode it's not when everybody is successful and everybody is making a lot of money you know it's not when your gdp is growing at 12% or 9% it's not that way swami says it is a ideal situation where the sweeper is happy with the work he is doing and the happy with the remuneration he is getting the king is happy with what he is having and he doesn't desire for more and everybody in each strata of the society is happy about where they are and as a ruler when rama had to create such a ramarajyam or a society of that sort he had to actually percolate this idea into the society hmm. that it is not in aspirations that you get happiness but it is in satisfaction that you get happiness and when he was to rule the country and you know probably give a message such as this people knew that he was not simply talking out of thin air he has personally experienced because people would have thought that yeah i mean you have always been a prince and you've always uh, lived in the royal palace you know you could be happy not us and easy to speak from the pedestal right but now the citizens of ayodhya have seen the transformation in the plight of lord rama and the, and lakshmana and sita and they've still seen that there was no change in the countenance of lord rama now they know that yes what our king is asking us to do is what he himself did you know he was the same when he was in the palace he was the same when he was living to the forest he was the same when he came back after 14 years that is why you know they say the ramayana holds relevance even to the modern times you were just speaking of how everybody being contented and happy with what they're doing is most important so today you know when they say that socialism is a failed uh, system it doesn't work and but it's counter capitalism we know what has happened some countries have collapsed greece is in debt iceland collapsed america is not doing very good either and there was that housing bubble crash so it's not as if capitalism is a panacea for the ills and capitalism is having its own huge gaping holes right in that context the ramayana seems to present to us a kind of a divine socialism where it is not financial equality but equality in contentment 
and peace that is important so if the king the pauper the banker the tailor the driver the software personnel everybody is equally contented then it becomes a beautiful economy a wonderful economy it does not matter whether one is rich or poor because as swami says he who has maximum desires is the poorest man in the world he who has maximum contentment is the richest man in the world so in that sense and in many other senses the ramayana holds relevance to the modern age very to end when you look at the scene of sumantra and uh, guha. guha you know going through that pangs of pain it really doesn't matter whether your object of love is actually suffering or not isn't it <laughs> when we saw swami say coming on a wheelchair or looking sick sometimes or struggling to walk it was very clear in our mind that swami was not suffering i don't think any of us had that doubt at all but it did not stop us from feeling bad it did not stop us from you know feeling pain and i'm sure all of us used to sit and talk about it and we used to get angry with swami also hmm. sometimes because we knew that he was completely in control and he was still letting it happen so in a sense it's a very amazing actually we're thinking that we are grieving for the other person but even the thought that the other person you're grieving for is not actually unhappy it doesn't stop you from grieving <laughs> isn't it because the other person apparently does not seem to be fulfilling the expectations that we have right you know we are upset with swami because we feel that come on you are the director of the play why are you directing it in such a bad manner why don't you you know bring on the way that we are perceiving so that is the reason and uh, that is why you know though sumantra is wise that is what actually guha tells sumantra he says minister you are profoundly intelligent you are steadfast in your morality and you are a person who has actually identified the reality behind this entire passing show so there is nothing that i can tell you see that is a problem with trying to advise a person who is wise even a person who is theoretically wise i have often seen this prem in those moments when i feel low i feel down i feel depressed or sad at sometimes or angry frustrated at times it happens that time you know when my well wishers try to cheer me the problem is all the arguments or all the things they will tell to console me theoretically i am aware of it already so it doesn't help me much and many times it has happened that they end up saying arvin you know all this so i'm just reiterating it to you so that you, why don't you believe in what you know and at that time i question myself yes these are the things that i state so strongly and i have used it to give myself joy so many times why don't i believe in what i believe actually <laughs> that is what happens and that is what is happening here also you know it is not as if sumantra is in need of any counsel or any wisdom he knows everything and that is the thing that guha says he says sumantra oh minister you know everything so therefore you should not be like this you should be brave think about your duty you have a duty to perform towards your emperor towards the queens they will be eagerly waiting just like you were waiting for me to come with whatever news i have of rama they will be eager they have no updates they are 10 versions behind you you are in version 10.1 they are in 1.1 still they have no idea what has happened to rama ever since he left so you must make haste go to the kingdom of ayodhya and then convey this and narrate to them all that has happened that will give them some solace and strength in this moment when they are all so vulnerable you should not add to their vulnerability and pain by being like this yourself be brave and go on and that is how sumantra agrees to go though he is criticizing himself and feeling bad throughout the way no and you for very saintly person uh, swami ji used to always tell his disciples and devotees you know mm. he said if you have any problem in life you're feeling any trouble in life just take a day off and go to the government hospital and just take a walk along the corridors 
and you will feel better. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you would say, you know, we've seen it even in Swami's hospitals. You know, it is a combination of poverty and pain and health problems. Mm. Of course, here it's completely different. The situation is completely different. But if you go to a government hospital or a hospital which charges you money, when you would see that and you would say that when you see somebody else in pain, you'll automatically see how better your plight is. Hmm. If you see that sequence of events which has happened here, you know that first conversation between Lakshmana and Guha, where Lakshmana himself is in deep depression and pain, but when seeing Guha in pain, he gives him telling that, you know, fate is everything and we have to go through whatever we have to go through and in fact, everything is a passing cloud. So Lakshmana who was in depression, in trying to console Guha gives him words of wisdom. And now the same Guha, he is also crying, but he is trying to console Sumantra and trying to give him words of consolation. And this same Sumantra is going to go and give the same words of wisdom and consolation to Dashrata. <laughs> I also think, Prem, it is a kind of relative sadness. See, though Lakshmana is low and down, in his heart he is feeling that I am at least in a better position than Guha. Right. You know, Guha has to go back now. At least I get to be with Rama throughout. So he is able to give. And I think Guha is in a better position because Guha... I don't think in any way will feel responsible for what has happened to Rama. In that sense, Sumantra will feel more responsible because after all, he is a minister of the kingdom from which Rama is being banished. And if you look at Dasharatha, oh my God, he must be feeling like the real culprit there. Therefore, relativity also plays its effect and that is possibly another nice hint for us as to how we can use this relativity to our benefit. We often compare ourselves in our life our financial condition, our emotional stability, our relationship, everything with people whom we perceive as doing better than us. That is like using relativity to our disadvantage. Why not learn from the Ramayana to use relativity to our advantage by looking at people who are apparently not as well endowed as us and therefore learn to spend our time in gratitude rather than in complaining. Right. You know, that exactly is the scene which is described before this uh Sumantra and Guha scene is described by Swami where Mm. he talks about how of course we made a mention last week of how Lakshmana and Sita are actually rejoicing in the presence of Rama in spite of all the difficulties and cannot but help to go back to those students who had had the opportunity to spend time with Swami Mm. because if you go by the worldly standards teenagers the kind of life which actually gives them thrill and joy what it involves and what these boys went through but is there any comparison between how happy these boys were compared to teenagers or youngsters outside? Because these boys would hardly come out. You know, some of our classmates who used to get their chance in Swami's room, you would hardly see them. They would come for a class, then rush back to Swami's room, doing Swami's duty. You will be busy all the time. You can't meet your friends. You can't meet your parents. And these boys apparently are not interested in academic glory or right. achieving a career, nothing like that. Right. And some of them used to be very good speakers. They would never get an opportunity to speak in front of Swami like the others. You know, some singers would never come out. And you would see, you would think that they're losing all that which would give them happiness. But they were so happy because they had the opportunity to serve Swami. And that's exactly what happened with Lakshmana and Sita as Swami describes. Though they were actually, you know, come from a royal palace to the forest, there was no sign, there was no change in the happiness. In fact, if there was any change, it was only for the better. And so coming back to the story, now Sumantra is therefore going towards Ayodhya and he is thinking that he doesn't have the strength and courage to meet anybody on the way because he is sure that everybody in the kingdom will be able to make out from his gait and demeanor and as Swami writes, 
apparently even the horses are depressed the horses are shedding tears and every time guha or sumantra mention the name rama or lakshmana they turn around tugging at the reins hoping to see the sight of that those beloved forms so sumantra is sure that everybody in the kingdom is going to see this and therefore he decides that possibly it would be good to go at night when everybody is sleeping and right. nobody will notice so the embarrassment and the pain and all this will become less but then you know sumantra realizes himself before he actually sees it that when rama has left ayodhya people seem to have lost all their interest in food and sleep also as i read swami's description i was reminded of exactly those 3 days when it was announced that swami has left the physical and swami's body was kept in state i think for those 3 days many of us would have hardly slept a few hours i don't think anyone would have bothered about food or drink or anything and that's why so many devotees set up stalls and they were forcing people to eat as they waited in the lines because the body has to be sustained having seen those 3 days in prashantinilyam i find it absolutely easy and simple to empathize with what was happening in ayodhya and therefore even though sumantra reaches in the middle of the night the whole of ayodhya is awake and though sumantra has brought his chariot to a dead slow walk so that it doesn't make any sound because the streets are deserted swami writes that the neighing of the horses his horses of the chariot is so filled with pain and the way they moan and neigh the whole of ayodhya comes to know and they come and see sumantra and they see that he is sitting alone in the chariot they realize that what has happened is something that they never wanted to imagine but it has happened and so they let out wails and they are howling and they are shouting and they are asking ayodhya has never witnessed such scenes and in the middle of the night it would always be peaceful and very secure safe and happy but in the middle of the night there's commotion and chaos because everybody is coming running wailing howling fainting it's a scene of immeasurable grief and amidst all this like a statue sumantra is just sitting because he has no idea what he should do what he should speak what he can say but his face and his tears and his looks say it all and everybody knows the inevitable has happened that is when actually a few maids from kausalya's chambers come running and tell sumantra that he is being summoned to the palace of the king and sumantra has no option but to face the king now because i think that would be the most difficult part for him because he knows what happens what would happen when this news that he could not console rama and he could not get him back reaches you know that's what hope can do i think in a sense mm-hmm. because i'm sure dashratha knew that there is no way rama is going to go back on his words mm-hmm. but still that hope i think would have kept him alive yes because otherwise by now he should have succumbed to that sorrow which he was suffering with but what happens when sumantra goes and meets dashratha maybe we'll come to that after a short break we've gone on for about 45 minutes so dear listeners don't go away we'll just play out a small bhajan and on the other side of the bhajan we'll continue the story as it goes जय Yeah, yeah, she did it, 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 she did it
Welcome back, dear listeners. Sumantra has now reached the Royal Darbar Hall, and as he enters, though it is the middle of the night, almost nobody has slept. He sees a scene that he would not have imagined in his wildest dreams. Even though he is returned after seeing Rama off, he would not have imagined such a pathetic scene. That is how it is, because the king is on the floor, his head is on the lap of Queen Kausalya. and sumitra too is in the background there and the entire scene looks so chaotic and it's filled with pain even as he enters dasharatha you know he starts lamenting because he knows he knows that rama has not come back and the purpose with which he has sent sumantra has not been realized and just as you said till now he was living on hope and now hope gets extinguished once a person loses hope it is a very rapid decline and that is exactly what happens to dasharatha 
Dasharatha starts bemoaning his fate. You know, he wonders the same thing, the same kind of things that Sumantra said. How is it that I am still alive? How can I continue my life without my tender children? And it is one self-criticizing statement after another. And it is very clear that Dasharatha is in some real deep depression and it doesn't actually befit a king to be like that, an emperor to be like that because he is raving about over there, craving for his Rama. And that is when Sumantra now starts consoling. <laughs> Just as we discussed, each one consoles the other. Sumantra right. starts consoling Dasharatha. He tells the emperor that, Oh emperor, you are extremely wise. You are made in a heroic mould. You are not an ordinary person. You know your abilities, you know your capabilities, they are profound. And on top of all that, you descend from a lineage that is divine. The Raghukula, the solar dynasty is so magnificent. And you are a scion of that dynasty. You have always been true in your service of the sages and saints. You have done everything perfectly. And you are also very wise. I am sure you know that just like day follows night and night follows day, pain follows pleasure and pleasure follows pain. A pleasure is an interval between two pains as Swami says. You know, so he tells this and therefore he advises his king to hold on. He says, oh king, hold on. Be equanimous because this is what is expected of us, right? Because after pain comes pleasure, after pleasure comes pain. So now this is a dark moment and this is a moment when we should hold on realizing that this too shall pass. Things will change for the better because it has gone to the worst possible situation now. So in this manner, Sumantra tries to console Dasharatha and tries to give him strength and in fact helps him to sit up a little bit propping him with pillows because till now he is prostrate on the ground. And after that he describes the events which happen after he leaves them, after they cross the river and how with the help of Guha, how they cross over the river and at the point where he is supposed to leave he says how Rama asked for those the milk from the banyan tree and applies it on his hair, not set into a mat and you know like how the people who live, mendicants who live in the forest do. And you know, each one of these adds to the sorrow of Dashrata when he hears that Rama is doing all these things. Mm. And then final moment, he says how Rama calls Sumantra and says, please take this message to the people of Ayodhya. Tell that this is what Rama said, that whoever takes care of the welfare of my father, whoever obeys my father and respects my father, they are dear to me. That is the message saying that, you know, I have no anger against them, no animosity whatsoever. And in fact, whoever is taking good care of my father is definitely dear to me. That's the message he sends word. And then uh, Mother Sita comes and gives her message. He says, please tell my father-in-law and mother-in-law that they don't have to worry even one bit about me. I'm absolutely delighted to be doing what I'm doing. I'm not in sorrow. I'm not in pain. I'm not in distress. Please convey this message. So he gives each one of these messages to Dashrata and you know, it's, it's even more painful. You know, because if you think of it, even if you're a bad son, I wouldn't feel so bad. You know, that's what might have been running in Dashrata's mind. Even if you were, you know, upset lot, that would have given some consolation. Actually, when you were speaking, I was thinking, though this speaks a lot about the nobility of Rama, Lakshmana, and Sita, Dasharatha might have preferred to hear Sumantra say that, Lord, Rama is saying that the forest is a terrible place, and how could you send him? How could you be so cruel? He requests you to call him back. Mm. I mean, that would have sounded like mana from the heavens for uh, Dasharatha. But this is a point where the goodness and nobility of his, of the children, of the princess and mother Sita is actually causing him more pain, as you rightly put it. Right. And after that, he describes the departing scene where 
his prayer to Rama to allow him to stay is rejected and he's told that, you know, after giving the messages, he said, no, you will have to go back and convey this. You will have to go and take care of my father who must be in a lot of pain because of the separation. And that's when he says, Sumantra says that he was stoned by pain himself. He wanted to literally jump into the river and drown himself. But just because he had to carry out this instruction given to him by Lord Rama, he has come back to convey this message. And when he tells this to Dasharatha, you know, this is like really adding salt to the wounds. When you feel, you know, I remember one incident from my childhood, Prem. I remember this because my mother had told this to me Mm -hmm. to state how powerful nobility is. Apparently, I don't remember the incident, but I remember my mother narrating it to me. Apparently, when I was having food one day, it was some kind of festival and food was being served in the plantain leaf. And as I was eating my food, one of my cousin brothers, quite elder to me, he decided to play a prank. And as I bent down to put a morsel of food into my mouth, he pressed my face into the food, into the leaf. So all the rasam, sambar, everything, some got into my eyes and I started crying and all the food came on and he had a laugh. In the corner of the eye, he saw my mother looking at him and uh, he got scared because what is going to happen to him. And when that happened, my mother walked up till there didn't tell him anything. He was elder to me, but he would have been in his teenage years. I was just a four or five year old. Mm-hmm. My mother took me, walked, washed my face, everything, made me sit in another place, gave me my food and that was it. And she didn't tell anything. And she says, four days later he came, he fell at her feet, he cried and he said, please scold me. He told <laughs> my mother, please scold me. You know, blown. And even to this day, recently I had met him. I was meeting him after so many years. When I met him, he remembered and he told my mother that, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened. And I was just thinking, oh my God, you know, if my mother had brought a stick and hit him on his head also, it might not have made this, this kind of impact. So there is a kind of power when you respond to negativity with positivity, with nobility. And that makes you feel even more horrible. And in this situation now, Dasharatha is feeling that I have done something really terrible. I have done something terrible. And therefore, he is wanting something terrible to happen to him so that his conscience feels satiated that I did bad and I got back bad. But instead of that, the person on whom he feels he has perpetrated a grave injustice is responding to him with a lot of love and nobility and he is unable to bear it. And though Sumantra has propped him, hearing all these, the beautiful words of Rama, Lakshmana and Sita, Dasharatha's heart tears asunder. He collapses back onto Kausalya's lap. And when Kausalya is trying to console him, saying that, O king, you must be strong, he says, no, this is my fate. This is my fate. And that is when he narrates the story of something that had happened when he was childless, when he had gone on a hunt. Right. And in fact, by now, the citizens of Ayodhya know that, you know, the king is actually drowning into a very, very deep uh, state of depression and he might not even recover from that. Hmm. And that's why I think in between even uh, Kaushala tries to tell him that you just have some courage, we'll call back Rama, Rama will come. Hmm. You know, if you give him the hope that you will recover, if he comes, then he will come. As you said, hope was the only thing on which he was hanging. He was hanging and she was trying to tell him that and Dashrata knew. And that is when he recollected that this was meant to be, the situation was meant to be. And that is when he draws courage and starts narrating this episode where he says that once when he goes on a hunt, with all his army and his ministers. And they go into the forest and they've, you know, labored for one full day and they've not found any game. And that's when he decides that I won't return back to my kingdom till I find one. 
and they wait late into the night into the evening looking for some animal to come and that's when they hear the rustling of leaves near a particular pond a water hole ha huh? a water hole and he says that i i didn't see any animal but i knew that there was some animal which was quenching its thirst he the, couldn't see also one. because it was dark by now right and uh, that is when dashratha says that i had the ability to fire even uh, with the sound i didn't i don't have to see my target just by listening to my target i had the ability to fire so i decided to use that there's a term for that they call it shabdavedi okay. they say that a person is a shabdavedi means he is able to shoot a target by just hearing it he need not see it and all our heroes rama dasharatha arjuna in the mahabharata krishna they are all supposed to be shabdavedis where they are able to shoot at a target by just hearing it and dasharatha does that and instead of hearing the cry of an animal he hears the wail of a boy and he shocked to find that he has shot down a ascetic boy a lad a teenager possibly who is drinking water and he shocked when he rushes to him though the boy is in great pain and he is in the throes of death he tells o king i understand you know it's amazing to this boy's name is shravana kumar and it's amazing how he is able to be equanimous even in that situation i think that is one lesson ramayana teaches us at every point the power of equanimity and how being equanimous is the way in life because even in the throes of death shravan kumar tells dasharatha that oh my king i know that you mistook me for an animal but right now my thoughts are with my parents both my parents are blind and aged and i carry them about everywhere i am their only support and they were thirsty so i came here to fetch water for them and uh, this unfortunate incident has happened i would be grateful if you are able to take this water and give it to them and slake their thirst I'm sure you know about how his parents were disabled, right? No, I don't know uh, that. Uh, it is said what? that both his parents were blind. Okay. And uh, they were weak also. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you look at any even if you google the story, the picture that comes of Shravan Kumar is he's carrying a stick on his shoulders. Okay. And on either side of the stick are suspended two basket, one one basket each. In each basket his parents sit. So he carries them about because he is their, you know, eyes and feet literally. so he carries them about and they can't imagine a life without him they are so dependent on him and because they are thirsty and he has no idea where water is in order to be faster he puts them down at one place they are sitting on that in the baskets and shravan kumar has gone in search of water and now he has slaked his thirst and as he is taking water to his blind aged parents he has been shot by the arrow and he is dying and dasharatha doesn't know what else to do because his boy in front of him has died so he takes the water and goes and because the parents are blind they are not able to make out so once dasharatha hands them the water they say oh son why took you so long come near come near and you feed us because there cannot be greater panacea than you feeding us and dasharatha does not know what to do they want to fondle but dasharatha knows that when they fondle his head they will not touch Shravan Kumar said but they will touch his crown they will know that something is amiss and that is why he requests the guards to quickly get the body of their son Shravan Kumar and that is placed and when that is placed before them the mother and father realize that their son is dead and that is when the fateful moment comes this story of Shravan Kumar very interestingly i mean we've grown up reading it and we've read it in comics we've heard it in our school and from our parents and all that But the way Swami puts it, the way Swami describes this event and that character of Shravan Kumar, I think it's completely different 
he gives a description of himself how he is the only refuge for his parents and how he takes care of them and how they are blind and all those things as you narrated and he says that i have found complete bliss and happiness in serving them and not only happiness i have also realized the truth through this service you know he says because i am a realized person and that is why he with such equanimity he describes mm. he says this has happened because it was meant to happen and i have no complaints he says this had to be you had to mistake me for an animal you had to kill me if this was not a plot of fate it wouldn't have happened so i have no anger against you and that is why he doesn't curse you know later of course we're going to come to the point where his parents curse but he doesn't curse because he says through this service to my parents i have actually realized the truth matra devo bhava pitra devo bhava and you know how beautifully swami actually injects that powerful message in this small scene and then he says he describes that take this water and don't tell them of what has happened here till they quench their thirst because he knows that if they come to know they will not even drink this water mm. and that's the instruction he gives dashrata and then dashrata goes and he has to explain because they say that if you don't tell us what has happened we will not drink this water i have personally heard swami narrating the story it was in hadhi mm-hmm. in a dining table conference okay i am calling it a dining table conference but in a dining session mm-hmm. swami was speaking to the parents of the jadav brothers okay. who were swami's instruments in building this mandir at panduranga kshetra in mm-hmm. hadshi as well as the one in latur and chakur right so that is the time when swami narrated this and he gave the greatest bliss the parents could get by saying that both your sons are like that shravan kumar so that is when i heard this shravan kumar story and believe me prem even in 2009 when this happened swami told the entire story in all its details in hindi that too because the parents <laughs> there did not understand telugu and he was speaking in hindi and he told it exactly the way he has written it in the ramkatha rasavahini and while narrating over there swami stopped the story at one point because there his uh, objective was to highlight the devotion of shravan kumar in ramkatha rasavahini the story continues as dashratha places shravan kumar's body and the parents get to know that their son is dead and this person is a perpetrator they don't even know who it is so they say that you know we have only one request we can't live anymore because our son was our everything they literally can't they can't move about they can't do anything so they say that along with the son we are going to immolate ourselves and they indeed immolate themselves by as swami says via a yogic fire a fire that is created out of their sheer will because of their yogic practices and before that they just say that you know this is the law of nature this is the law of karma there is no escaping it and therefore the way we are dying because of pangs of suffering caused by the separation from our son because our son has been cruelly taken away from us in the same manner whoever you are you will also die with the same pangs it is actually at that point in time that dasharatha introduces himself as dasharatha so here also another message that comes forth is you know karma doesn't distinguish whether you are a prince or a pauper or a rich or a poor man whoever you are you are going to reap the consequences of your karma and uh, therefore whoever it might have been would have had to suffer this curse this karma and dasharatha is now narrating this to kausalya he is in his death throes now because this story comes to his mind because he realizes that his breath is leaving him he is not able to live anymore because the pangs of suffering from separation from his son and the story has come to mind but the beautiful thing is he tells oh kausalya at that point in time when they put this curse i rejoiced right. isn't it strange prem <laughs> right because he says that till then you know we spoke of how the ramayana starts where 
he doesn't have a, a son for a very long time and that's the cause of most of his worries and that is when this curse comes his way he says for the first time i'm i've been told by destiny that don't worry you are going to have a son because unless i have a son i'm not going to undergo this period of having a separation from him and dying out of that grief so he says that curse in a sense came as a blessing for me because it gave me hope that i will have a son sometime in the future and prem one more beautiful point that i just can't help but make over here is that he felt at that point in time that it's wonderful that i've got this curse because it means that i'm going to get a son and i'll rejoice but having got a son not one four sons did his sorrow end it did not because today he is dying out of sorrow only the cause for his death is nothing but sorrow so you know it again reinforces very subtly the lesson that nothing in the world is going to give you permanent joy at this point in time you feel that this will give you joy once you get that you are not going to get joy because everything else is going to give you only chinta chinta meaning worry right and uh, i would be actually stealing away swami's beautiful statement if i state it here so i will not state it i think at this point in time we should listen to swami taking on the narrative from here swami beautifully narrates the happenings that occur after dasharatha narrates the story to kausalya what happens is in one moment dasharatha collapses and gives up his breath because at this point he realizes that this is the moment no once he recollects that shravan kumara story he knows that yes this was meant to be my destiny so the moment that realization comes and he has told the story i think that's when he collapses and he dies and as you said i think we should leave the narrative after this for swami because you know the lessons which swami draws from it is indeed very very profound ee dasharatha maraninchin tarvata at the death of dasharatha vasishtha varu vasishtha keke rajyamuniki vartamanam pampadu he sent the message to the keke king దశరథుడు మరణించాడని చెప్పలేదు నాట్ దట్ దశరథ రావాల్సింది అన్నారు ఏ ప్లెయిన్ లో ఏ కార్ లో ఏ హెలికాప్టర్ లో ఒకటి లేవు రావడానికి పదహైదు దినములు పట్టింది ఆనాడు ఈ శవాన్ని దాచిపెట్టడానికి ఏ ఐస్ గడ్డలు ఏ పదార్థాలు లేవప్పుడు చచ్చిన దేహాన్నంతా ఊరుగా వేసినట్టుగా నూనె లో వేసేసారు జస్ట్ దేడ్ బాడీ భరత శత్రు వచ్చేంత వరకు నూనె లో తడిపి పెట్టారు సో అంటిల్ అరైవల్ ఆఫ్ భరత శత్రుకు పరిగెత్తి వస్తున్నారు భరత శత్రు చాలా వేగంగా వస్తున్నారు అయోధ్యలో ప్రవేశించేటప్పటికి అయోధ్యులంతా పక్షులు కూడా తలలు వంచుకొని ఏడుస్తున్నాయి అయోధ్య కళాహీనంగా కనిపించింది అయోధ్య లాస్ట్ ఆల్ పశువులు కూడా తల ఎత్తి ఉండటం లేదు కుక్కలు కూడా విలపిస్తూనే ఉంటున్నాయి ఏమిటి ఈ విచారమున కారణము అని విచారించాడు భరతుడు భరత ఇన్వెస్టిగేటెడ్ రీజన్ బిహైండ్ రథము దిగాడు లోపల పరిగెత్తాడు తల్లిని చూచాడు ఆమె ఒక వికార స్వరూపాన్ని ధరించింది ఇన్ ఎ డిఫరెంట్ ఫార్మ్ దాన్ యూజువల్ ధరించినటువంటి కైక ధైర్యంతో భరత నీ ఇంక చేయవలసిన కార్యాలు నువ్వు ప్రయత్నించున్నారు మరణించాడు కర్మకాండను నీవు ఆచరించమని చెప్పింది రామలక్ష్మణుడు ఎక్కడ పోయారు అనిందించాడు అయ్యో 
తండ్రి మరణించే సమయం లోపల నేను శత్రుఘ్నుడు లేకపోయామే తండ్రి ఏమి చెప్పాలనుకున్నాడో మాకు కేవలం ఈ ప్రాప్తి రామలక్ష్మణులకే సంప్రాప్తమైంది he felt that at least he was happy that ramalakshmana were there on the bed side at the last moments of the charada katta garapada tandrin chuche twenty prapti ramalakshmanike dakkindi ramalakshmana could be there when the charada was dying chaala baadha padtu vachcha he felt so sad that he was not there at that time bed side tatchame kausalya mandiraniki velladu immediately went to kausalya's palace ame jarigina twenty vishayam anta kudana poosu guruchinattu cheppindi he told in verbatim what all that had happened amma adavuku poyinattu ramalakshmanu inta kaalam enduku raaledu mother how is it that rama has gone to forest Naya, has not returned inka 14 samasthalu varaku raaru varu annaru they are not going to return for 14 years to come tandri poyinattu dukkham tho munigi potunnattu bharat chetrulu rama viyogaanni bharinchukoleka tandri paina krodham vachesesindi they are feeling so sad because the death of the father on hearing that ramalakshmana are there in the forest anaga oka danikante adhikamaina premanu chuchinappudu rendavu prema taggipothundi oka danikante adhikamaina premanu chuchinappudu rendavu prema taggipothundi when they have more of love towards the second thing the first love will be diminishing tandrinte ento prema ga undinatunte vaaru bharata shatrugnu bharata shatrugnu love their father kaani atanikante marinta prema ramalakshmana paina but they love ramalakshmana much more rama rama ante rama pranamee veeliki they consider rama is very lai bharata shatrugnu lakshmana kandarikudnu ramule ekaika pranamu for lakshmana bharata shatrugnu rama is the very lai neni tandri karma kandana kuda nenu cheyanu i will not perform the last rite nenu ramulu daggariki velthanu annadu i will go to rama he said kaani vasishtha vaaru samadhana parichi వశిష్ట ఆయన ఇప్పటికే ఆలస్యం అయిపోయింది ఏ కర్మలంతా నువ్వు ఆచరించవలసింది తప్పదు కర్మకాండను ఆచరించి మనం అందరూ కలిసి వెళ్ళుదాం రాహుల్ దగ్గరికి అన్నాడు అనగా ఇక్కడ ఒక విషయాన్ని మనం గుర్తించాలి ఎంతో ప్రేమగా ఉండినటువంటి ఒక తండ్రి పైన కూడాను all the love that they have to start antakante adhikamaina prema galiginatti rama viyogaanni bharinchukoleka tandri paina kuda nu thesham vachesi as they could not bear the pangs of separation from rama lakshmana they had bitter hatred towards mother kanika manalo undinatundi indi dukkani oka dukkani okati maarchalante ye dukkanga maarustundi so one grief is convert to another form of grief what sort of it tuta oka chinta the birth is one grief bhoomi nunduta chinta life on earth is one samsaram oka chinta the family life chaavu chinta the death balyamantayu chinta childhood vardhakyam oka chinta old age jeevinchutu oka chinta life chedupu chinta failure కర్మలన్నీ చింత కష్టము ఒక చింత సంతసం ఒక చింత వింత చింత సర్వ చింతల బాపెడి సర్వేశ ప్రేమ పొందుడికడైన ప్రజలారా పొందు మీరా అన్ని చింతలు బాపేటువంటి చింత ఒకే చింత అదే సర్వేశ్వర చింత ఆల్ దీస్ ఆర్ వరీస్ but when you think of god that all other worries will be gone so you should think of god and have ee minchina chinta marokati ledu there is nothing higher than this aa chintalo manam munigitamante ee chintalu anni kudu nu gaali kottipoyinattu pottukottukoni pothadu the moment you drown yourself in the thought of god rest of things will go కనుకొని ఈ ప్రాకృతమైనటువంటి అల్పమైనటువంటి చింతలకు మనం కుంగిపోనక్కర్లేదు సో యూ షుడ్ నాట్ బి డిప్రెస్ బికాస్ ఆఫ్ ది వరల్డ్ ఈ థాట్స్ అన్ని చింతల కంటే పెద్ద చింత భగవంతుని యొక్క చింతనే హైయెస్ట్ థాట్ ఈస్ దట్ భగవంతుని యొక్క వియోగ చింతనే యు షుడ్ ఫీల్ సారీ ఫర్ ద ప్రేమ చింతనే యు షుడ్ ఫీల్ సారీ ప్రేమ చింతలో మనం మునిగినామంటే ఈ చింతలంతా మనం లెక్క చేయనేక్కర్లేదు ది మూమెంట్ యు హావ్ గాట్ ద థాట్ ఆఫ్ లవ్ యు నీడ్ నాట్ బి బాదర్డ్ ఆఫ్ ది రెస్ట్ దేర్ వాస్ అ క్లిప్ ఇట్ వాస్ ఫ్రమ్ ద 1996 సమకోస్ అగైన్ 22nd ఆఫ్ మే you know so many beautiful points which swami brings in there because all said and done 
in life sorrow is a period where we learn a lot of lessons hmm. and i think that's why this is one of the most interesting part of the whole story of course many are there to follow but this particular one where so many are grieving over one incident swami is driving us a lot of important lessons in this one particular part where of course we spoke about the destiny part in one hand and the other one is here which swami says that uh, swami would often make that statement anitya masukham loke Right. In the world, you are bound to encounter sorrow after sorrow. Hmm. But how do you handle it? Swami says, all sorrow comes because you are running after something or the other. The moment you start desiring or craving for something which is higher, these desires and cravings which are lower will fall apart on their own. And that's what Swami makes that statement there in that discourse too, isn't it? He says that as soon as Bharata and Shatrugna got to know that you know just summarizing dear listeners here we will be speaking some things because though swami has beautifully uh, narrated this there are some points additional points that he makes in the ramkatha rasa vahini that's all so bharata and shatrugna have been summoned and as soon as they come when they get to know from their mother that their father is dead they are drowned in sorrow because they love their father a lot and swami then says when they get to know from kausalya that dasharatha had banished rama lakshmana and sita to the forest then their sorrow immediately turns to anger and in fact bharata refuses to perform the funeral rites of the father he says he is not a father to me if he has sent my brother rama to the forest and swami there he quickly you know he, he throws in that beautiful message i mean we have to be alert to catch it where swami says that when you love something much more then the lesser love drops away and that is again a secret to life the secret to overcoming attachment the secret to solving all our problems of our desires which is to attach ourselves to something higher love something much more if we love swami the most love swami from every fiber in our body in from the core of our heart then nothing in life can actually affect us because nothing will matter it is only swami who will matter it is really an inspiration for each one of us to develop that kind of a love towards swami because when we desire god everything else drops away automatically we need not put in extra effort to overcoming desires we just need to cultivate a stronger desire and that is a nice spiritual hint for us that we need not spend our time in trying to overcome desires because we are specialists at you know developing desires right we are all specialists at developing desires the master the lord always ensures that we convert our biggest weakness into our biggest strength our biggest weakness is we specialize and develop desires and god converts it into our greatest strength by saying yes develop desire but develop that towards god automatically all your desires will fall away that is one lesson that comes forth so beautifully you know many times when i you look at this particular episode in the ramayana one might wonder what is the difference between the attachment which dasharatha had compared to the attachment with somebody like dhritarashtra had in the mahabharata Hmm. because he was also always portrayed as a father who was very attached you know, very very attached to his sons and you know that was what which brought his downfall because here is dashratha who is also attached you know that is why in sanskrit there is a saying i don't know the thing verbatim where it says that one noble son actually gives liberation to the whole lineage i don't know if this is the exact one you are looking for but there is one which says suputra kuladeepakaha right you know he kind a of good son can, is a lamp right, right for, for the, the entire, entire uh, lineage you know if you see that how very good it, it is if you are able to have an attachment to a son who is noble because there what we see in mahabharat is the son who is constantly misusing the attachment and affection of the father 
and here is a son who is noble who says that i'm going to stick to my nobility even if it is going to hurt my father who is so attached to me and that is why here if you see in comparison that is why swami is saying that the only attachment which can actually benefit you is when you attach yourself to nobility when you attach yourself to divinity and that was the benefit which dashratha had as well as bharata is also having here at the same time see prem all said and done yes you might get attached to divinity but attachment as swami says is the cause for pain and that is inevitable right. see if you are truly attached to rama the divine then there is no need to cry because how can rama go anywhere see if today you and me feel pain that is possibly the negative of our attachment to swami of course our attachment to swami has given us so many positives right. but attachment itself is a negative which we have to overcome otherwise now dashratha is dying here because of his attachment only so though attachment to nobility is better than attachment to something wicked attachment itself has to be overcome and well that is a journey which all of us are making and why it should be overcome swami again beautifully says in the discourse because he says nothing in this world can give you permanent joy because nothing in the world is permanent in fact swami says your birth is a chinta your growing is a chinta your death is a chinta your childhood is a chinta the beautiful way swami plays is chinta is a sanskrit word which means worry right chinta also means thoughts thoughts and swami says among all the chintas the only chinta that will save you is bhagavat chinta which is thoughts of god and so therefore swami says you know the only permanent and eternal thing in this universe is god and therefore if you seek permanent and eternal happiness you can get it only from god and therefore instead of making a chinta out of everything in your life in fact in another discourse swami says all these chintas will one day become a chita for you meaning your funeral pyre mm-hmm. all these worries will become the fire which will burn you to ashes instead of that have bhagavat chinta which will redeem you and that is another beautiful message that swami slips through and grants us if we are able to latch on to it it will redeem our lives that the only way out of all these chintas and worries is bhagavat chinta or thoughts about god and as you said a couple of uh, details which swami gives in the ramkatha in the writings in ramkatha which was not mentioned in this clip is uh, you know vasishta sends word through bharata through the kkr kingdom and he says that it takes 15 days for them to come mm. you know coming the fastest journey but the plight of bharata there in kkr which swami describes that even before he gets the news he is very very restless for so many days because he has a premonition of something which has gone wrong in his kingdom he doesn't know what it is but he knows that there's, there's something wrong something i miss which he's going to come to know about and swami says that is because he's also been getting nightmares and bad dreams right he keeps getting nightmares and bad dreams and that's when this messenger comes and this messenger has been strictly told don't give him any details just tell him it is the orders of the preceptor that he and shatrugna come back as soon as possible hmm in the moment this news comes to bharata he tries to dig and tries to get more information and the messenger says no that's all i'm meant to say and even there you know swami plays that even bharata says that no this is the duty of the messenger i should not trouble him more this is all he is meant to say and he is not supposed to say more and because i am troubled i should not put the trouble on him and force him to you know transgress his duty the two messages that come forth strongly from that episode there is one you have to do your duty and second while doing your duty ensure that you are not coming in the way of others doing their duty right you know that is why bharata actually restrains himself he says okay i cannot force him to go beyond his duty so let me 
do whatever it takes to get to ayodhya as fast as possible if he wanted he could have just said i am your king you just, i mean i am one of the princes right. you just shut up and tell me what it is but right. he doesn't do that and uh, even as he goes swami again says how the dogs were howling how every even the animal in the kingdom was sad that's what swami said in the discourse clip that is what bharata sees right at the entrance of ayodhya the royal stables and he sees that all the horses all the elephants are sad all the homes are locked the shops are not open and swami says all the little details that add to the story he says that the mango leaves which we put as toranams what right. is that what do they call it in english right. i don't know uh, buntings, buntings. Yeah, yeah the right. mango leaves they've all dried up which means that they have not been changed over the past 3 4 days so if such a thing has happened you know it is said that ramaraja is a, a place where it is celebration every day nitya kalyanam pacha toranam as swami would say every day is a festival in such a situation when you are seeing dried mango leaves something really terrible has happened and that is when he comes to know and uh, from his mother kaikeyi he gets to know only that part that dasharatha is dead and uh, his father has died and he is very sorrowful and another beautiful thing that swami shows here is when he rushes to kausalya because that is the other mother and he asks what has happened because i don't know why he died what happened if he has died i was not there neither was shatrugna there so therefore they are very sorrowful they are hoping that rama will be there to give them some solace and uh, when they ask about rama from kaikeyi rama says you know dasharatha has sent them off and she starts wailing so now they want to find out from kausalya as to why is rama sent off where he has he gone he has gone to the forest why has he not returned and they go to kausalya the beautiful thing is what kausalya says to them you know kausalya doesn't even mention that your mother kaike is the root cause behind all this that is so beautiful to see how kausalya tells you know bharata she tells oh son bharata seeing you i am feeling so happy because i feel i am seeing rama don't know it is just the emperor's decision that they should be sent to the forest they have been sent to the forest there is no use of grieving over that be bold don't get angry what benefit now if we lay blame and criticize or curse somebody no it's not the time to find fault with it's just our destiny i have to live with my sorrow you have to live with yours but this we can't avoid this and therefore we have to endure it what can't be cured has to be endured you are young you are in the sunrise of your life you are to rule the kingdom so you should be strong and go ahead this is what rama would have liked this is what everybody will advise you and that is why you should go ahead and do the funeral that is what she advises him and that is why bharata agrees to do the funeral but at this point he gives a counter condition to not only kausalya but to the other queens as well because he wants them again sati right that is what happens right he says that you should not emulate yourself in the funeral pyre which is meant for father if you agree to that that's when i will perform the rites of my father and for some reason swami gives a little bit of detail about that final uh, funeral hmm. where swami mentions that bharata does it so scrupulously that even vasishta did not expect that he will do it so you know well when i was reading that part you know i couldn't help but think of i think you should say it we are right in the middle of it right now the indian batting order cricket <laughs> when you have a very good batsman taken off you have another good batsman coming by literally vasishta was feeling something like that you know rama was not there bharata is doing the duty which rama was meant to do you know he was in a sense filled with thrill i did not expect bharata to be as scrupulous as i would have thought rama would have been so as he was as rama as perfect as rama would have been but bharata turned out to be a perfect replacement for rama because he did it even as well as rama would have done it 
and i feel that's why sami is mentioning it there because you know sami is mentioning making a point that as a king as a prince as a son bharata was no less than rama you know though we are in the middle of a story where rama is the hero of the whole story sami is saying that as a personality as an individual bharata was equally good that is what we'll see even in the later episodes how the character of bharata is shining forth probably before we just conclude today's episode we just mention one more point that at the end of the funeral sage vashishta does one more thing which is again very important for all of us to note till now bharata or shatrughna have no idea that it is actually kaikeyi who has done all this you know who is the root right. cause mm-hmm. and uh, it is the nobility of kausalya and sumitra that nobody mentions this at all nobody casts aspersion and blame on kaikeyi and it is here that after the funeral there are all the vassal kings because dashratha is an emperor he has so many kings under him so it is now time for vashishta to speak and he speaks and talks to everybody and tells on how they must go ahead with equanimity how they should administer what should happen all those he speaks apart from that he also narrates the entire thing he gives the correct version of the story as it has happened this is to ensure that there is no rumor mongering gossip mongering everywhere else otherwise it will just be hearsay so he gives the official version of what has actually happened which is a very important practice which is very important that it is done you know this is a lesson that we can learn whether it's corporate life or office life anywhere that an elder who has the authenticity and the trust of the people gives out the details of what has happened it is actually when vashishta is speaking that bharata and shatrughna get to know that kaikeyi is responsible for sending rama to the forest that is when a volcano erupts within them and what happens next i think we shall take it up for fortnight from now when we have the next ramakatha rasavahini fortnight very true and even as we bid farewell to you dear listeners you know this weekend is ugadi and the weekend after that is ramanavami and generally it is said that it is very very uh, it's a very good thing to do that you start from ugadi till ramanavami you take up the reading of the ramayana and so maybe it's a reminder for you that in this week of course we will not be coming with the, the ramakatha but if you want you can definitely make use of this opportunity starting this ugadi till ramnavami maybe you can read the ramakatha raswaini or if you are not uh, very fond of reading maybe what you could do is you know this 1996 samuko series is such a beautiful series on the ramayana there are about 12 discourses maybe every day you can just pick up a discourse and listen to it it's there on our website you can download that whole series in so, case you are not comfortable navigating in the website all you have to do is go to the home page radioside.org on the left there is a button called audio search in audio search please click there go there select discourse and put the keyword as 1996 all the discourses of 1996 will list Some, out right from there pick out the discourses in may 1996 the summer course discourses each one 12 of them in order it would be really great if we spend this week every day listening to one discourse the benefits will be immense and i am sure just like prem and me are feeling swami's presence in our life rama's presence in our life feeling that surge of love and devotion to rama and sai rama all of us will be able to enjoy that this is a really beautiful activity suggested activity that we can carry out from this weekend to the next weekend with that dear listeners we take your leave hope you have a wonderful week filled with rama by the end of ramanavami the week after that we will be again taking up ramkatha rasavahini 
it is indeed a beautiful opportunity that swami has gifted us to make our life itself a vahini of the ramakatha a flow of this nectar story of ramayana we leave you with this song and with our gratitude to swami for giving us this opportunity शरथ राम जानक राम दशरथ राम जानक राम मारुति सेवित मनोभिरा सेवित मनोभिरा सीताराम श्रीरघुरा साईराम यू जस्ट हर्ड एन एपिसोड ऑफ आवर रेडियो प्रोग्राम Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on Ramakatha Savahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 19th March 2015. Dear listener. We hope you like this program as always you can send us your feedback to listener@radiosai.org you could also whatsapp us your feedback to this number 9393258258 thank you and sairam